Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Adam Catterall and Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome back to the Fight Night podcast, courtesy of the lovely people at TalkSport. I'm Adam Catterall. It's a pleasure, as always, to be in your company. That's a bit presumptuous, that, isn't it? This might be the first time that you've ever actually come here. If it is, make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes or via the TalkSport website if you need an Android feed. There's loads of top-quality boxing content coming your way. I'd even recommend subscribing to the TalkSport Boxing YouTube channel because we are churning out content on a day-by-day basis with all your favourite stars featured all right so you don't want to be missing out on any of that stuff do you now back to the podcast because on saturday night the live show was littered with top quality guests i've been looking forward to speaking to this first guest for some time um as you can tell in the conversation that we had we had a nice respectful back and forth it is of course the one and only mr josh taylor this is how it sounds belts are on the line as the super lightweight king Josh Taylor tackles England's mandatory challenger Jack Cattrall the point up for Josh Taylor the point up after the bell it's all gone wrong here it is homecoming it wasn't my best performance you know I put a hell of a lot of my pressure on myself this couple of weeks where it been my homecoming and still Okay, mate. Um, I've been fine to be honest. Um, it's mostly the other stuff that has been, you know, being directed at my family, which was uh, quite hard to take. For you know, when you see them getting it tight and it affects them differently, you know, that's uh, saying things personally about them and things like that. That's that's when it uh, gets a bit different, you know. Yeah. That's where um, 
That's where that's where you, that's where I just started hitting back on social media and th- saying things to other folk back. Um, you know, because I know for a fact if if it, nobody would say that to my face about about my my sister or my my wife or things like that, you know, because um, no man would take it. No, absolutely no man would take that kind of stuff. Isn't it weird though that? Listen, I mean, I, I, look, I thought he pipped it in the fight. Adam thought that Catchwell had won. Um, well, Adam thought there was corruption going on, didn't he? We'll come to that. We'll come to that. But I, I don't think there's corruption. I think there might be favouritism in judging sometimes when someone's seen as a great champion. There's a massive debate around all this. But how on earth, how on earth, when someone isn't doing the scoring themselves, but they're doing the fighting and they happen to get the decision that they get grief from the public. I do not understand. That, that, that's, that's the mystery in all this. Because you didn't speak to the judges. The judges gave their decision. You just had your fight. And, and this is where I think social media, where I think the, 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 the horrible nature, the insidious nature of social media um, gets get skewed. Because all you did was go in there and fight. You got your hand raised at the end of it. Do you know what I mean? It was a close yeah, fight exactly. in lots of ways. Exactly. And, I and, in. Yeah. Yeah, I went in. I gave a, a fight. I gave as well as best as I could on the night. Um, mm-hmm. Given that that I was absolutely dogs dirt, you know, I was I was absolutely rubbish. But um, I got the right result. And um, there's not anybody in this world um, that can convince me that I thought I lost the fight. I didn't mm-hmm. think I did lose the fight. Um, I thought I won it by a point, a point or two. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I thought I scored the fight. As you know, I just thought. He was very negative on the back foot holding, and I think he should have had more than one point taken of him for excessive holding. Um, but as as being and done, I had the I've had the, I got the decision, and uh, and that's it. But um, on the lead up after it, like why I ended up getting well, a lot of it, ended up getting a lot of hate was you know people in, insinuating that there was corruption going on and saying this and saying that and judges getting paid off, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, people that are well respected in the sport. Um, shouldn't he be saying things like that because then it gets directed onto me? I can, listen, I can understand. First and foremost, I completely agree that you should never and your family should never have received any hate or or attention in in that manner. My my take on that particular fight, Josh, was as Gareth just said. I believe that Jack won that fight. Um, you also you also said that the judges were being paid in the no no whoa, 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 whoa. Like I never I, I never... saw I saw I saw an interview with you yes and uh, you and um, Nick Pete. And the words that come to your mouth was, oh, there should be, there's a bit of corruption going on. Yeah, is I did a, say that. There, I never said about being paid, though. Is there a piece of paper going on, a brown right. envelope and all well, that? let me explain. So when you're saying things like that, that's when it ends up getting directed at me. Okay. Well, that was never my intention on that particular thing. The reason why I use that word, and this is, this is why I use that word. As I said, I believed that Jack won that particular fight. Now, well, that's, that's subjective. Great. That's fine. That's I've subjective. Absolutely. No, I've absolutely. absolutely. No that's subjective. Anybody so the f- saying that they thought okay. Jack won the so fight, therefore, I have absolutely no problem with that at all. Okay. So off the back of that, then I obviously look into the situation. And what I find is that two of the judges that were obviously assigned to your fight were rejected by the WBO who sanctioned the fight. So I asked the question as to why that was. The British Boxing Board of Control put forward Ian John Lewis and Victor Lachlan for that fight. They were rejected by the WBO because the WBO didn't believe that they were qualified enough to refer- to judge a fight of that magnitude. It just so happens that those two judges 
voted in your favour on this split decision on that particular night. And that's fair enough. So that's one particular point of why I use that particular word. The second point of why I use that particular word was that Top Rank, your promoter, had already spoken to the WBO about a vacant title fight opportunity for one of their fighters, Teofimo Lopez. Now, the only reason that 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 fight can go ahead for him and Liam Parrow that they were making with the WBO pre the fight with yourself and Jack Catterall is if that fight if that is if that title becomes vacant the only way that that title can become vacant is if you're still the champion on that particular night that is why I use those particular words become vacant when I'm still got it well, this is this was my point. If you remember, on the weighing day, you were awarded the WBO Super Championship belt, weren't you? And on yeah. that, and with that, what happens is that if you make a decision to then go up in weight to 147, as many people were speaking about at that particular time, you become the number one challenger above. That's not unusual. Yeah. That's normal. So what? Right. So my my point was, is that somebody somewhere knew that there was a possibility that you might not be the 140-pound champion anymore because you were thinking of going up to 147 pounds. And if that belt then became vacant, obviously, promoters want their fighters to be fighting for those vacant titles. It just so happened that it was your promoter looking to get one of their other fighters in that vacant title fight. That is why I use that language. It was not aimed at you. It was not aimed at Jack. It was not aimed at any fighter connected to that fight. It was aimed in and around the officiating of that fight. That was it. Fair enough, that's what you think. So it's cool. But, right. but, when, but, you but say things like, when you say things like corruption to the wider public, people in boxing, people involved in boxing and in the most small circles like you and I know what goes on and things like that, when, you, when you're broadcasting this on your shows, mm-hmm. and then and then that's that's the kind of hate it then gets shined on me and myself and my and family. And that shouldn't be the case, Josh. That shouldn't, that shouldn't, be it, shouldn't. it shouldn't. Listen, guys, let me just uh, let me just step between you both for a second. And uh, listen, I'm listen, not taking him on. He'll, he'll, no, 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 no. <laughs> listen, I, 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 I'm going to hold him back if he has a go at you when we're in person, and uh, you know, I'll throw a few. Head Josh kicks. isn't. Josh is a professional. No, no, he's I'm joking. Athlete. I'm joking. I'm joking. No, but he's clearly irked by what happened. And, and rightfully and, so and with the backlash of so. a, a public coming yeah, at him yeah, and his family. Yeah, yeah. 100% Josh yeah, is yeah. right to be and, irked. And, but the biggest point here as well is Josh is looking to fight Jack Catterall again. He wants to put mm-hmm. the record straight. That's where we are now. Um, yeah. Look, Josh is a very proud man. We've both known him a long time. And when he sees the red mist, the red mist takes a long time to go away. And I feel your red mist, Josh. Um, no, listen, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I just, wanted to make, I just wanted to make a little point. And, and I just wanted to li- point, point out while I was a little bit... Catterall's blushing, angry, by the way. My Catterall's no, blushing. My Catterall's rouged Gareth, in Gareth, the cheeks. No, this, this is a serious matter. You, yeah. You're 100% right to feel the way that you feel, <laughs> yeah. Josh, because yeah. like you say, your family have come under threat from people yeah. reacting to words that I've particularly used. But hopefully I've explained as to why I've used that th- those words. Now, regarding you going forward, because si- over the last month in particular, three three weeks, four weeks, I've really liked the things <coughs> that are coming out of, uh, out of your mouth in interviews that you've been doing elsewhere. You've, you're staying at 140, yeah. and the reason for that is because you want to fight Jack Cattle. Put the record straight, yeah. Yeah. Talk me through the the thought process there because I've spoken to members of your team and various other people and there was a consideration that you might go up to welterweight. Was that parked purely because you want to write this particular situation? Well, yeah. Um, uh, To be honest, first and foremost, I still think I won the fight. Um, I don't care what anybody else says. It's their opinions and things like that. I still think I won the fight. But it was your worst Um, performance for four years. Secondly, you know, is to put all the doubt wrong, all, yeah. the, all the doubt mm, to sleep, mm, to mm. to put all the the naysayers, all the the 
you know, the sort of people that are saying, oh, I can jump on this, oh, this and that, to put all the doubt to bed, put all the bed to, put all to sleep, put all to bed, move on, mm-hmm. and then uh, move on with the rest of my career. You know, I'm, and I, I know 100%, um, and I think you guys know that I am 100 times better than that. Did you, just on that, just on that, that's what champions do. And of course it they is. They remove all but, doubt. But but what I want to know is, did Josh deepen his, in his psychology... Did he, and I don't mean underestimate Jack Cattrall in terms of your training camp and all those things, did you underestimate in the mom, in the actual moments of activity in those early rounds where, where he established a rhythm, did you underestimate him, do you think? No, I never underestimated him at all, no. Um, absolutely not. I know he's a good fighter. Um, absolutely not. I never un- un- underestimate anybody. Um, I just made a few mistakes in my camp, um, one was a huge lack of motivation, um, which I kept saying to Ben mm. about four or five times in the camp. I said, I can't get up for this fight. I can't. I couldn't mm. get myself up and motivated for it for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and I knew that was a big mistake that I was making. Um, and I said, I pointed out to him about four or five times during the camp. I says, listen, I, I can't get up for this fight for some reason. I can't, I can't do it. I can't. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just because, you know, I'd been to Vegas. I just when you conquered scaled. the world, yeah. you conquered yeah, it. I just scaled, you, it. you know, I just climbed Everest. You know, and uh, yeah, you know, and I'm standing on top of the world. And I've, for me, my ambitions was to keep going, keep going, keep climbing, keep, you know, and um, move up to welterweight and try and chase a second weight world title. You know, and that's the mistake that I think that I've made. You know, and uh, obviously. You're only a fool if you make the same mistake twice. You're up for it now, though. Yes, but you're up for it now. How, yeah. how far yeah. down the line are we with making this fight? Well, I've after everything in my power um, yeah. to make sure that the path is clear um, to make it happen. You know, if I've vacated the two belts um, because if I wanted to keep them, I'd have to be doing mandatories and mandatories. So I wouldn't be able to get the Jack Cattle fight anyway. So yeah. I let them two go. And uh, now the path should sort of be clear, you know. So um, it's sort of out of my hands now. I'm, I've done everything I can, my power, and I'm just waiting on the other side, really. And how are you feeling about one forty? The weight, as in, as in the weight wise, and, and you being able to be you at this weight because you are getting bigger. You, you, you know, yeah, you I are growing. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, you know, it's. I just I just did it wrong the last time. Well, it would be tough still. Don't get me wrong. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't tough to make the weight. Mm. But every fighter does struggle. Um, I just did it. I just did it wrong that time around. Came in. I came into camp far too heavy as well. Um, so that had a big a big play in it, you know. But um, no no excuses. It all led to a terrible night and a terrible performance. But it won't be like that the second time around. Do you think this will be the last one at 140 before we do see you attempt to become a two-weight world champion at 147? Yeah, yeah, this will be the last one, yeah. Absolutely delightful news that we're going in the right direction for Taylor Catterall 2. Can't wait for that fight. So, what we did, we spoke to the other guy. Why not, eh? Jack Catterall was also on the show. Here he is. 
down in London uh, with the girls. Uh, we've come for a couple of days just to uh, oh, enjoy of, the weekend bit and uh, bit relax. Of sightseeing. You're doing a bit. You're doing the sights, mate. You're on the open bit top bit buses. Of sightseeing. Yeah. Come to see the Queen. Yeah. Where, where are you right now? Then are you out and about? Because it's warm and it's kind of like a bit wild well, he's, out he's, there. He's with, he's with the little ones, so they're no, fine. No, they're going to be. Maybe, no, but it's what Can't is it? It's only 23 minutes. He could be walking through the West End, looking. Up. No, they look you know what? She's only 18 months. Oh, I see. Upstairs in the room. She's put to bed. I've uh, snuck off downstairs to come have a catch up with you guys. Good man. Where are you staying in London? Don't tell him that. People will be ransacking yeah. his gigs. No, he's going to tell me. I'm going to get him out for a tequila. Well, you know, you're not taking him out for a tequila. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. Listen, <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, listen, you know that it's going to be hot over the next couple of days, so make sure the sun cream's on, Jack. All right, lad? Oh, definitely. Good lad. Good lad. <laughs> uh, now then, um, right, let's get to fighting business, shall we? Um, because there seems to be positive conversations going in the direction uh, of you getting uh, another opportunity to be fighting uh, uh, Josh, Josh Taylor. Taylor. Yeah, no, I was just thinking there, because I, what I want to do, actually, because this is obviously an agreement between two men, how do you feel in the immediate aftermath of that fight with the way that you've been treated by the sanctioning bodies in particular? Because you were the mandatory number one, and two belts have come vacant now in, the, in this particular weight division. I know that you're after one particular man, but... You weren't called for the WBA and you weren't called for the WBC belt. How does that make you feel? You know what? I'm not too hepped up about it. Uh, I mean, Josh Taylor was the fight that I wanted. I wanted the rematch. Uh, and ultimately, I'm, I'm in touching distance of that now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't overly happy. Me and you had the conversation uh, with, with all the governing bodies. We've been in contact uh, yeah. through the appropriate people, but... It was, it was disappointing, but you can't, can't cry over spilt milk. Uh, it is what it is, and ultimately, if I weren't fighting Josh again, hopefully that fight can be made. I'd have to start rebuilding and get myself back into that number one position. Mm. He Listen, he was on earlier on, and we, listen, we've seen that he's given up that WBA belt, he's given up that WBC belt, which had mandatory challenges connected to it. Obviously, that then paves away uh, for this fight that every single fan would absolutely love to see, and I know that you're keen on it as well. From your side of it, is there any hold-ups? Is there anything in the way? What 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 can we expect over the next couple of couple of months as we hopefully aim to get this one over the line? Yeah, I think you hit the hail on the head. With uh, we're having positive conversations now these last couple of weeks, as uh, there's been work to do behind the scenes, but we're kind of coming to a close now. So uh, the positive conversations are ongoing, and hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some announcements. What what time frame are you looking at, mate? Uh, you know me, Adam. I'm in the gym. I'm ready. Uh, September, October, November, uh, I'll be ready. Okay. And what, what, what? And be honest now, what's your thoughts about um, Josh's attitude to stay at 140 just to fight you? Because there was chat, and we, we spoke to him about this earlier on, about him moving up to 147, but he's staying because he wants this fight. Yeah, of course. I mean, he, he has to say he wants this fight. I believe he's under a lot of pressure uh, from the public as well for this fight to happen. Uh Let's make no mistake, he's, he's lost a lot of support since the fight. I think the way he's carried himself uh, and his words and his actions post-fight. So, uh, And I don't think there is any fights worth him right now at welterweight. So, uh, and there's certainly nobody else at 140. This is a big fight. No, it's a, it's a big fight. We said it all along. I think we it's the biggest it fight in the division. Well, yeah, I really it, do. It, yeah, it is a big fight. I mean, we've we had controversy, and as you know, Jack, from the history of of boxing, e even though you were hard done by, and I do, Adam and I both think you won that fight. We're very public about that. I don't think Josh Taylor did anything wrong. He just did his fight, um, and 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 the, the hatred <laughs> he's had is not nice. Um, and his family have had, and we talked about that earlier on the show with him. 
But I'm glad that you two fight again because I think it's a bigger fight this time. It needs to be hyped in the right way. It needs to be pay-per-view, in my view, and it should be on Sky and on pay-per-view on their box office channel and really built. And I think you guys should be able to buy a row of houses each when you've had this fight afterwards. That's my take on it. Whoever wins, I just want you guys to benefit. So those two young children of yours absolutely benefit for the rest of their lives from their father's effort. That's where I think I lie with this With this fight, as well as you obviously wanting to have you given win him the some world extra title. Have you given him some extra kids there? Oh, it's only one. It's only one. Is it? Sorry, it's one. It's one. You never know. You never know the old bit of witchcraft going on there in the crystal ball. You never know. Jack, what what are your what are your feelings towards Josh um, at this moment? Now that we, we seem to have kind of got over um, a little bit of animosity that was online, but wh where are you at now regarding your feelings? Yeah, I wouldn't say there's any feelings towards Josh, good or bad. Uh, we're both fighters. We're both there to do a job. And I think Josh touched on it before about the the scorecards and he still thinks he's won, which is a bit mad. But uh, ultimately, it wasn't Josh's decision. It wasn't my decision. Yeah. Uh, we both had backlash. I think Josh has touched on it more uh, and come out and said it publicly. But we're both under messages. Uh, my girlfriend and family uh, pre-fight was getting a lot of messages going up to Scotland. Uh, but no, again... No feelings towards Josh. Uh, I believe I beat him. I beat him well. I believe I can do a better job second time round. How much... Listen, this is, and this is a key thing as well because Josh did speak about this earlier on. How much of a strain does this put on fighters when you're just going to do your job? That's what you're doing. This is your dream. You're going to go and do your job. You're going to go and uh, try and achieve something. And then a small minority of people, fans, if they can call themselves that, are... Online, faceless, behind keyboards, not attacking you because that'd be daft because they'd probably get filled in. I'm talking about attacking wives, girlfriends, extended family members. How much strain does that put on you as a fighter in preparation for something like this? And obviously in the aftermath as well. Yeah, it's not nice. Uh, like you said, unless they're coming knocking at you know that it's a different kettle of fish, but uh, I like to think we've got thick skin, me and Lauren. Uh, we've both got messages, still getting messages to this day, but it's not nice. You've got to take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, they're not the ones in the ring. And again, unless they come in turning up at your door, there's there's really nothing they can do. So I think you've just got to put it to one side and, and crack on with what you've got to do. It's really weird, isn't it? That, you know, it's, it's just the, a mad the, game. Yeah, it is. Um, but it, the thing is... It's endemic everywhere now. The yeah, it's a societal issue. It's a societal You know, like you say, we get it as well. You know, not to the extent of these guys. No, though, not, you know? not in that way. And and it, but you do get it. You, you you get it, and you just you wonder where it comes from. You never meet those people. I'm sure it's the same for you, Jack. Even if you meet Scottish fans, and I think you said so after the fight that they even applauded you. Um, I think so I've got yeah, but it's one of those weird things to deal with. It. It's there isn't an algorithm for it. It's 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 just weird science. That's all it is. And I think, so like you say, you one at the yeah. public workout a couple of days before the fight. Uh, my missus with her, my little girl with her, was doing the public workout, and Lauren checked her Instagram and she was getting message requests of full-grown men uh, that was actually at the public workout, ordering yeah, her to look up. So she's looked up at the balconies and a group of men in the 30s and 40s, like, giving her the fingers and whatnot. I just Unbelievable. Think it's childish behaviour, but it again... 
What's an intimidating place? She, she hasn't asked for that. She's coming to support you. That's all she's there for. And it's the same on Josh's side. His family have come to support him. It's, it's, it's not... For, they've not put themselves in that posi- position to be intimidated. It's just ridiculous. Um, and I'm sorry that this, this situation goes on. The positive of this is... Every single fight fan, not just British fight fan, after the first fight, wants to see this fight. You've said that, and Josh has said that there's positive conversations going on that we're going in that right direction, and hopefully this is going to be at the end of the year. Please tell me we're doing this on British soil, mate, because we need it. We need another banger on British soil. Yeah, for, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the talks that are ongoing with, with the promoters and the broadcasters, it's going to be, be over here. So hopefully, like I said, in the next couple of weeks, we should have some announcements and we can look forward to some at this fall. Are you um, are you at peace with the decision from the first fight? Yeah, of course I am. I mean, you, we drew a line under it. Uh, we couldn't change the decision. I think they demoted a referee. Uh, there was a couple of letters back and forth, but it is what it is. Uh, I said at the time, they stole the moment in time for me fighting for the Undisputed. Uh, that, that moment's gone now and it won't come back around. So now it's about rebuilding and, and getting them world titles. So... And like we said, the positive conversations. Hopefully, I can I can go out there and pick up two on the next fight. Okay, mate. Listen, you enjoy London, like I said. Make sure the sun cream's on, pal, because uh, us catrols burn in this heat, sunshine. We need to uh, we need to look after that skin uh, and uh, get yourself back in camp. Looking forward to obviously getting this fight on because the world has been talking about it since the start. Of the, well, mid, mid to start of this year, and we want to see it again. So go well, mate. Fingers crossed we can get it over the line, uh, and I look forward to seeing you and Josh going at it again for these World Championship uh, titles. Perfect. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Gareth. Cheers, Jack. There you go. That's one super fight that we all want to see before the end of the year. One that's definitely happening. September the 10th is the date. Put it in your diary because Clarissa Shields is defending her three titles against Savannah Marshall who's bringing one of hers to the table to make an undisputed fight. Can't wait for this to happen. So I caught up with the self-proclaimed quote a little earlier on this week for a chat about it. But we started, first and foremost, by talking about getting a street named after her in Flint, Michigan. Having a street renaming was something that I had dreamed about. You know, people say that, you know, you get street named after you after you die. But to be 27, <laughs> to be in the midst of my career, um, to be still fighting on the top level right now and get a street name after me was super huge. And I'm just grateful that everybody in my community came out, people who I had who I hadn't seen in years, I was able to see. And uh it just shows that once again that I come from humble beginnings and not do I just not do I love Flint, but Flint also, you know, loves me. Listen, September 10th, we've got a hell of a fight on our hands at the O2 Arena uh in London, which we're all extremely excited about. You and Savannah Marshall going at it. Um, a lot of the narrative building into this is that Savannah's the only person, professional or amateur, to ever beat you in a boxing ring. It's a long well, time ago. Why do you guys say? Why do you guys say she's the only person to beat me in professional or amateur life? She's the only person to beat me in amateurs. I've never lost in a pro. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. That's yeah, it's like point. when y'all when y'all say that, I feel like it makes people think that I lost to her in the pros no we fought 10 years ago in the amateurs be, okay. and it was before the olympics and she won eight by eight points to 14 she didn't get an eight count she didn't knock me down she didn't stumble me she just really like i said she ran around the ring she jabbed i got her in the corner and beat her up a couple times and the ref kept breaking us every time we got in the corner they they wanted her to go to the olympics so i'm undefeated in the pros in the amateurs i was 77 wins and one loss but 
even though I wasn't able to avenge that loss because I never fought against her again, mm. that's because she kept losing. We fought the world championship together twice. We fought the Olympics together twice. All four major tournaments, I got gold, 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 gold. This isn't before she beat me. It's after. After she beat me. So all the girls that beat her up, whatever their names are, they should be talking about them in the pros as much as they're talking about Savannah Marshall beating me in the pros because those girls, I mean, she took four ass whoopings, probably more than that. Like I lost one time and everybody makes it seem like she's just this big old boogie woman and she's not. I'm just tired of all this. Oh, she's a knockout puncher. No, she's not. No, she's not. Yeah, oh, she's 12 and 0 with 10 knockouts. Against who? When you fight a girl three days notice, you're supposed to knock them out. When you fight a girl weeks notice who haven't been in the ring two years, you're supposed to knock her out. You're that's what you're supposed to do. But when you fight against somebody who has a six-week camp, who's a world champion, even an eight-week camp, somebody who's prepared, somebody who's been active, you're not going to knock them out. She don't, her, listen, her chances of knocking me out are slim to none. Slim to none. Savannah Marsh's chance of knocking me out, slim to none. It's, it's always business with you, but does this one feel different because of this narrative that you're, the, that you're speaking about now? I've always wanted to rematch her and beat her, you know, but talking about it being personal, I'm just training and I'm getting ready to, you know, to fight against another opponent. You know, she's going to say things and, you know, and she thinks she rattles me, but she really just makes me and my whole family laugh. That's it. Because me and my family know. The reason why Christina Hammer got beat up so bad was because she talked so much trash. That's why. I can go in there and just beat a girl up and box her and get my belts and go home. But... When you get to talking trash, all you do is give me ammo. You know what? She didn't want to give me any ammo at the press conference. And she didn't want to give me any ammo at the um, be at the behind the gloves face to face. Mm. She was trying to be nice to me. But I let her know. It's smoke with me and you. No, we not friends. No, we not accord you. I don't I don't like you. You know, I don't I don't like you and I haven't liked you for years. And when and when we fight, she's gonna feel all of that. She's gonna know. What are your feelings toward a fight of this magnitude, which stands up against any fight, male or female fights, being on an all-female fight card? That's fine with me. You know, I don't make those. I don't make those decisions. Mm -hmm. But I'm no. I'm a big advocate for women's boxing. I always wanted women's boxing to always kind of help lift each other up. I feel like the Alicia Baumgartner and Michaela Mayer fight. Is a fight that can stand alone by it, you know, by itself, you know, here in the US. You know, that's truly how I feel. But to be sharing this platform with with Michaela and with and with you know Baumgartner, it's a big deal in women's boxing, you know, to show that when we all come together, we can we can have a huge card, you know, we can sell out arenas. I feel like this arena would have, you know, would have still, you know, sold out with just me and Marshall. But it's great to be sharing the platform with Michaela and Alicia. It's great, you know. It it it, it builds their it builds their profiles, you know. And and if their fight is 
competitive enough, they they will have a standalone card in the U.S. where they're the main event. But it's like we're both the main event, though, because what's really the difference, difference between main event and co-main? It's like people showing up to see the see the main see the main two attractions. Yeah, it's going to be a heck of a night. Listen, your life seems to be quite planned out over the next few years. We know that you're planning for the PFL in November off the back of this particular fight. You've got the PFL tournament next year where there's a million dollars on the line. Um, I don't, I've, I've heard you speak about this. I know that you're engaged to be married and that maybe is a plan in the next couple of years as well. Is September the 10th the last time that we're going to see you in the boxing ring for a short period? Um, September 10th, after I beat Marshall, I think I'll have one boxing match at the beginning of the year, 2023, and then and then I'll be going away from boxing for a little bit to focus on the PFL tournament and stuff. And then after the PFL season is over, I plan to get married first and then and then come back to boxing. So with that said, September the 10th, how big is that? for your legacy given the, listen given the fight multi-weight world champion undisputed in two weight divisions nobody's ever done that male or female how big of a fight for this for you is this on september the 10th every every fight is super important this fight is super important because of the past that it has it's just that one little dark blemish like you know how you have a beautiful picture but then on a beautiful picture it's like some of it is blacked out and you're like what is that in the picture you just don't know what it is <laughs> that's kind of what it is you know it's like thing that happened to me you know in the amateurs and I was never able to write that wrong I was never able to fight against her again and prove that I'm better than her you know she always gets to hold that over my head until September 10th after after September 10th I don't want to hear no more about Savannah Marshall, about, about her being able to tell myself, I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to outbox you. Not, she's not going to do nothing. She's not, she not going to hurt me and she's not going to outbox me. That's it. But I just can't wait to let, to just show people like, leave the past in the past because it really don't matter. You know, you know of course she'll still bring it up. She'll like, like she'll say, oh, we're one in one. But I'll be able to, you know, to show her that actually we're five and one. I beat the four girls that beat you up. I beat you in the pros and you beat me in the amateurs. And the amateurs don't matter in the pros. It doesn't. Only thing that matters really to me is the Olympics. Like the, the Olympics matter when you, when you turn pro. If you can be an Olympic bronze, silver, a gold medalist, more than likely you're going to reign in the pro level. Hmm. More than likely, but it, but, but if you can't, if you, if you can't medal, you know, it just shows that you're just a level below the rest. Whoever got gold, that's it. And she's levels below me. Also on that card at the O2 Arena on September the 10th, Michaela Meyer is in action against Alicia Bumgardner. Maya is chasing her own undisputed legacy and it starts with this fight. She joined us on Saturday night to discuss the possibilities. Usually people are coming out, you know, just for the main event. But in this case, you have two main event worthy fights going on. That's something that boxing doesn't, doesn't regularly do. And that's another thing that I'm, I'm kind of excited to be a part of because yeah. it's a one-stop shop for the fans. The other option to this was putting us on the weekend before. 
And I think that would have split us in a way. Now we're coming together. We're all a female fight card coming together for the fans. And if we would have fought one weekend apart, I feel like people would have had to choose, especially people coming from America. And I didn't want that to be the case. So I said, hell yeah, put it together and make it, make it doable for the fans. Five years ago, you could never imagine you'd be in this era where we really are kickstarting hard women's kind of, uh, there are probably 20 or 30 elite women now that the world want to watch and that there could be trilogies. And like you mentioned, Katie Taylor, and she can stay long enough and you might end up in the trilogy with Baumgartner, with anyone, basically. Did you feel privileged that you're not kind of fighting a Christy Martin time battle or a Jane Couch time battle, that there genuinely are avenues yep. for it to happen and great fights to be made? Absolutely. I'm like stoked about being part of this era because this is what I always envisioned for women's boxing when I first started. You know, I, you can never exactly envision the way it is now because it's so amazing. Like, I'm sure we all had our, our, our own vision in, in some way, but I believe that because of the Olympics, we're able to be at the point we are now and that we'll never do it the way they did in between like Layla Lee days and now because we have too deep of a talent pool and women are finally able to compete at the highest level and they weren't able to do that before. Um, we're now coming into the pros with like all this experience and skills and girls are just starting at a younger and younger, younger age now. You know, the top women right now are a little bit older than the top men because we just didn't have that. We weren't able to compete at a high level at a younger, at the youngest age when the men were. Um, so it's all changing and evolving and we're closing that gap, that skill gap. So this is amazing. This is great. It's another thing I think about when I step in the ring is you know, one of my things I pride myself on is being very technically sound. I think that's very important also to help close this gap of equality in men and women in the sport and the health for women's boxing, because we have to show that we've evolved and that we're able to compete at this level and that we can, we can be on the same stage as the men. So uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, to, moving to Alicia, um, she's a very aggressive fighter, as we know, and uh in the in your press conference recently, she said, when we're both great olds, you remember this quote, uh, Mayor is still going to be having Alicia Baumgartner flashbacks when she's lying horizontally in the ring. Mayor will think back to the first time my name left her mouth. She's going to wish it hadn't. Um, do you love that kind of um, tease up or aggression from another fighter? Does that get your juices flowing? Like, relax, sit down. Um, she's really not that aggressive of a fighter. Like, think about it. She likes to sit back, coast through her fights. There's nothing to fear in Alicia Baumgartner because she doesn't want, she's not the one who, who sets the pace. I'm the person who sets the pace. She, with her fight with Matisse, she couldn't kick into that second or third gear, right? So if she can't land that big right hand, she doesn't have anything else. Um, so I don't think that she's all that aggressive. I think I'm aggressive. I think I'm the dog walker. Okay. So, so um, well, she clearly hasn't seen your one of your fights of the year last year against Maeve Hamadouche. So um, they, we know you can go into the trenches. There's no doubt about that. Um, you know, you have said you're going to use your tools and experience in this fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I am a more complete fighter than Baumgartner. Uh, I've had the fights to test myself and push myself and um, credit to top rank. You know, they've really moved me really, really well. 
Um, I've been working on something different for every single fight. Uh, and I'm ready. I'm ready for this. I'm a complete fighter now. And I can't necessarily say the same about Baumgartner. I think that um, she's a few levels behind me. I think that one day she'll be she'll be a very good fighter. She doesn't keep uh, she doesn't keep um, changing trainers, and she gets some consistency in her camp. But uh, not 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 against me. This is my time right now, um, and I'm ready for the I'm ready to be let off my leash. You know, I've had all the experience and. I've been built properly, and so, um, and I'm going to prove that to everybody. Can I ask your opinion about the Shields Marshall fight? How you see that going? I think this is a great fight. I'm literally coming into this fight as a fan, coming to see this fight too as a fan. Like people think that just because you're a boxer, you don't kind of fan over certain fights, and I definitely do. This is one of them. I love the build up for it, Um, and I think they both bring two different things to the table. You know, I, my favorite thing about Clarissa is she's a dog. Like she, she will come, she's relentless. She will come to you. She will come forward. And uh, she has a very high punch count um, for, and speed for a girl in that division. Um, and then you have Savannah Marshall, who has been proven to have great power and that, you know, she poses a threat there. Um you know, the longer, taller fighter. So who has been in the ring with Shields before. So there's that factor, whether it's just mental, you know. Um, so it's going to be a great matchup. You know, they they both have, have, they both have different skill coming into this fight. And so it's going to be who, who plays into their skill better. I think that Clarissa, if it goes to decision, I believe that Clarissa will come out on top because of her aggression and her punch count, um, really fast combinations. Um, and she, she doesn't let up. Uh, I think that in order to, for, for Savannah to win the fight, she will have to land that big punch that she's done so many times in the past. I, I think in this, I, I think it's a fascinating fight. And I think the, um, I, I think Savannah will probably get hit more than she's been hit in other fights. And maybe Clarissa will be hit harder than she's been hit in other fights. So it's kind of, it's fascinating in that respect because it's not really a lot of people are seeing it as boxer versus puncher, but it's much more nuanced than that, isn't it? Much more nuanced, you know. And yeah, it could be who holds it together most mentally, you know, and stays the calmer yeah. in there, you know. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it has to be a very disciplined fight, you know. And I think yeah. I think people I think what's kind of cool is people kind of see the same thing in me versus Baumgartner because yeah. you know, Baumgartner because she stopped Terry Harper, that um, you know, she's this big, big puncher, this big one punch KO artist, which I don't, I don't necessarily believe. I think that she does have power and I think she caught Harper perfectly, but I don't think that, that she just runs, she's going to be able to run. It wasn't a great Harper who turned up that night. She wasn't in a great place either, you know, definitely. I agree. Um, So I still think she has a lot more to prove. Um, Mm -hmm. Where I think Anna has proven her power a little bit more, Uh, but it's still some, some people believe that, Baumgartner is this big one-punch knockout artist and that she's going to knock me out. And a lot of people believe that about uh, Savannah. So I think that's just kind of a, makes it even more exciting. It's like you do have this like boxer-puncher mindset. She's fascinating, isn't she, Michaela Meyer? You know, she wants to fight Katie Taylor next after unifying this division. I like that matchup, you know? Mm, yeah. Listen, I've, I've, I've always been impressed with Michaela, not only in the ring, but 
she spent a lot of time building her profile here in the UK. It's been yeah. a stroke of genius, yeah. really. She's been doing quite a lot on television, lots of punditry work. She's been on our show on many, many occasions every time she comes over. Um, she has... Image changes, all of she those... She has that of, thing. She's, she's got an X factor about Yeah, what well, you were talking about a little earlier on in the programme. She's got that little bit of something about her and she can fight. She's proven that, that she can fight. Fight of the year last year. One of the fights of the year with well, Maeve was. Hamadouch, wasn't I, it? I think it was. November last year. Yeah, I think it was. It was most certainly the best yeah. uh, female fight of last yeah. year. Uh, so she's proven that she can go to the well. She can take a few digs and she's up for it. Baumgartner can whack. There's no doubt about that. But the technician in this fight is Michaela Meyer. Can, can, can the whacker whack and get near enough? That's the thing. Yeah. I don't think I don't think um, Maya knows Michaela how to fight her. long, doesn't she? Because she is taller, lot more rangey. She knows what she's doing. She could kick, just keep. She's at the end five of the jab. nine, you yeah. know, and she's like built athletically. How does she get that frame into into uh, you know into the division? It's, it's it's unbelievable. I like her chat as well because she's basically saying, "Bomb Gardner, Choi." Yep. That's it. One thirty. I'm do. done. I want Katie Taylor one three five. I think it's the kind of fight that Katie Taylor would take. It's a it's a Las Vegas fight. It's a Croke Park fight. You can market Michaela Meyer, um, and I love how excited. Especially Adam, if she becomes undisputed. There you if go. If she becomes it's, undisputed, exactly. then it's a battle of that. Isn't exactly. It? Look, um, there's. She's also talking about fighting Delphine Pasoon. If he fights Pasoon, mm. yeah, and she beats Pasoon. She's she's clever. She's beats Pursoon. She's on her way to fighting Taylor. We know what Pursoon's done. Two life and death battles with with Katie Taylor that went to the wire. Yeah. Two amazing fights. Forty minutes of fighting. Two ten, two ten, two rounds. Um, look. Also, um, also by the way, um, off the back of what uh, you and Michaela were talking about there, and off the back of what uh, myself and Clarissa were speaking about earlier on, I've been well and firmly put in my place uh, this week uh, because I said that uh, I was unsure about it being an unfe- all-female card and whether uh, we should have had males on there as well to propel it even further. But if the female athletes are happy with it, I'm happy with it. Yeah, look, September the 10th is going to be an amazing night and I'm very excited about the day. You know why, don't you? I told you on last week's show. Can you remember? September the 10th. It's my birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. And if we are broadcasting... <laughs> Easy now, Tiger. Stop it, Willie. Not there yet. Stop Not there it, yet. Willie. Cobbles, cobbles afterwards. No, no, no way off 60. Um, <laughs> you probably say 66 now. No, the, the thing is... Um, <laughs> I'm blagging about my birthday. Look, if it's my birthday and we're in the in the broadcasting from the O2 Arena, we got we got two amazing, sensational type that, fights. That's that's the key. We've got two amazing fights on the night, and that's the point she's making. That you know, I'm going to be on this card that's historic. Yeah. It's in London. You know, there's a real groundswell more than in America. She's saying, "Why is Caressa fighting here? Why is she fighting here? Yeah. Because the support is here, and it's ten years after, just ten years after the Olympics, mm. and the Olympic explosion has really, really blossomed after a decade, hasn't it, for women's boxing? Because it started here in London in 2012 with uh, Katie Clarissa. Taylor, uh, Clarissa, yeah. and uh, and um, Nicola Adams for us, wasn't it? The was three it? champions, yeah, yeah. but obviously. Um, Savannah Marshall was in the Olympics at that time and so many of the other women that have come to the fore so it's brilliant people like Kayla Harrison in MMA now um, you know it's it's a really big big time for women's fights How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The fights keep coming thick and fast. August 6th, Michael Conlon is back in action. Uh, we all remember the end of his fight with Lee Wood. But can you remember what happened up until that point? He was absolutely fantastic. So we thought we caught up with Mick uh, in the build-up to his monster comeback in Belfast against Mariaga. Probably the lowest moment of my sporting career. And for it to happen, how it happened, something that's never happened to me before in my life has been knocked out. And, you know, there was mistakes I made, which I knew happened there. I could have sat and pointed the finger, like you said, and blame this and blame that, but I feel the right thing to do in them situations is take ownership. And if I can do that, that means I can progress and evolve as a fighter and uh, and improve and uh, and learn from my mistakes. So that was the reason I done that. There's a fascinating. It's great to see you and hear you. Um, there was a fascinating story. Um, the the Elliot Wurzel, who's a brilliant writer on boxing and an old mm. friend of mine, wrote about you, Michael. Um, Obviously, March the 12th was the fight with Lee Wood. It was 15 weeks, and you got back into your first sparring session. I don't know whether Elliot witnessed it or he interviewed you about it, but it was fascinating. You went in with Harlem Ben, who's a super lightweight, of course, and um, it was the first time you'd sparred since that 12th round against Lee Wood. And it's really beautifully described because you wanted to get back in there you wanted to ask Adam Booth if he was happy with it. Was that, was that kind of a seminal moment in the last couple of months to get you... Like, it must have been the first moment in camp where you were really getting the guns going again. Yeah, definitely. Listen, I, I wanted to know how I was um, because you see a lot of fighters after things happen to them, you know, you know, they start, they're not the same fighter they once were. Or, or, mentally, or you're gun you know, shy. They, or, or gun anything. shy yeah, or, yeah. you know, worried about what's coming back. And, you know, as you said, Harlem Eubank, who I was in sparring, he's, he's a late welterweight, big puncher. You know, I, I had no fear, no problem. Um, Harlem laughed at a few shots in the spar. Hmm. I was soon. There was no problem. So, 
Um, yeah, it was it was a box I needed to tick and I needed to ask myself the questions in there. Uh, and I did, so I was really happy with it. And, and Elliot didn't see it, but he actually just called me uh, the day after it happened. And I was just explaining what happened. And, and I read the piece and it was fantastic. And he, he was. is a, he's a, he's a beautiful writer. He is a beautiful yeah, writer. He is. Because right. yeah. the, th the thing is... Um, that I, I'm fascinated as well by the fact that you really, really look back on your performance against Lee Wood as a very fine performance. It was great. Until a single moment. And it's like... But that's elite sport. It, and it's life. It, it, weirdly, yeah. it's life, isn't it? You're a hamstring away from oblivion when you're a runner. You're yeah. a, you're, you're, and, and dare I say it, we, you are in a very dangerous sport. We love this inherently dangerous sport. Yeah. And thankfully... You know, it, it looked horrific at the time. I've got to say that we were, you know, yeah. we were falling off our chairs. Um, yeah. And thank God, all your faculties are still there. You know. Mm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just on on the performance before we get on to Mariaga, because you've decided not to have a soft touch coming back, Michael. Let's be straight. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, yeah. But on the performance. Going into it, I remember speaking to several people. This is this is where we find out where Michael Conlon's all about. And to be fair, for a large percentage of that fight, it was the best version of Michael Conlon yeah, that we've seen exactly. in a professional boxing exactly. ring. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I, I said that. I, I know that. You know, the better the opponent, the better the performance. And, and you know, I was very unfortunate how things ended, but you know, I felt great throughout that fight. Um, felt very comfortable and uh, and felt at home for the majority um you know the fatigue in the end and, and the factors we played you know ultimately you know i lost but at, at the same time i put in a lovely performance i showed kind of my skill set which i've always talked about and people have talked about but not many have actually got the witness so the fact that i was able to go in there and show it was 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 nice how important then is it for you coming off the back of that to have an opponent like Mariaga, because let's be straight, this dude's been in with the very, very best. The Oscar Valdezes, the Vasil Lomachenkos of this world. Um, I know he's been in with Nicholas Walters, very hard-hitting uh, guy, uh, former champion as well. How important yeah. is it to have that level of opponent for you? No soft touches, straight in at the deep end again. Well, I, I don't see the reason why I would go for a soft touch. Um, you know, I, for the majority of that fade, I was I was dominant. Um Let's be honest, I did not take much damage bar the last punch. Mm. So, you know, it's not like I've, I've, I've went through the wars in that fight. Listen, it was a tough fight, yes, but I came out pretty unscathed in terms of the shots which were landed on me. There wasn't, there wasn't many until the last one. Um, and I want to get straight back into the mix with the big boys. So, you know, I, I think the best option for me was to fight Moriaga because... You know, he's a real credible opponent, a real tough opponent, a real dangerous fight. If I'm yeah. going to be honest, I know that, I understand that. But you, you need know, that. I, you need that jeopardy in a fight. One hundred, one hundred percent. I need that for my mindset and and, and for going there and put a performance on. Yeah. As you've seen against, as you've seen against Lee, you know the better fighter I fought. You can see the performance I can pull out. So I think it's the same with like Moriaga. You know, I can go in there. I know, I know the threat is there. I know the danger is there. And I'll go in and put on a performance. And and but the thing is, you know, I'm looking at the rankings here at the moment, and obviously Magsayo, um, Leo Santa Cruz, Warrington, and Navarrete, and Lee holding the Magsayo got beat last week against Magsayo yeah. beaten, of course yeah. he was. Yes, yeah, sorry, that needs updating. Um, but this is a very tough fight, but 
where, where does where are you going in terms of of world title after this? Are you obviously you're still four? I think you're four with WBA. the WBA. Yeah, yeah. Are you staying yeah. on the WBA route? Do you want Leo Santa Cruz? That's a great fight, you and Leo Santa Cruz, by the way. I would, I would love Leo Santa Cruz. I would love the re, the Lee Wood rematch. I've been trying to get that to happen, but you know he's gone through his own situation mm. at the minute with mm. uh, the Santa Cruz yeah. kind of stuff. So that would be the no, ideal situation, I... though, wouldn't it, Michael? If, if they can get that sorted, I mean, the, the Santa Cruz situation is ridiculous it in is. your division, it mate. Is. That he hasn't. And you, know, go on, and you know what's going to happen, don't you? You know what's going to happen. Well, yeah. gonna Santa to Cruz, it's it's going to be over overruled by unification. So yeah, yeah. what the what the fuck's Lee doing? You know, he's sitting, sorry for cursing. I'm sorry, but what's he doing? He's sitting. He's sitting at, on, on the on the on the sidelines. Um, yeah. He needs to kind of keep active and get get going. But he's the fight I want. He, I would love the rematch if. But if, if, it but if they can sort it out, it would be wonderful to have a legitimate top tier world title on that. 100%. For, for that fight, that would be fantastic. Yeah, in my opinion. Listen, in my opinion, Lee is the world champion. Um, That's fair. Leo hasn't fought in so long at featherweight, or, or hasn't defended that belt for so long at yeah. featherweight. So. The fact that Lee has beat, you know, Kanzu and obviously beat me and, you know, kind of solidified his place, I think he deserves to be up, upgraded to Super Champion. 41 months, by the way. That's not even, it's so annoying yeah. that we can barely go there because it's just, it, it makes you want to punch the wall. Um, you, you're, you're a brilliant technical boxer. Um, you really know the ins and outs of the game. I've known you a long time, talked about a lot of different things in boxing. I want to ask you. Can Anthony Joshua beat Alexander Usyk? Because it's a pivotal fight for boxing at the moment. Will Tyson Fury come back if Joshua wins? Can Anthony Joshua, Michael, beat Alexander Usyk on August the 20th in Saudi Arabia? In heavyweight boxing, anything can happen. And that's that's the be all and end all. In heavyweight boxing, anything can happen. Do I think he beats Usyk? No. Usyk's probably one of my favourite fighters. Um, and has been for a long time. I raved about him. I said... You know, before Anthony Joshua fought Ruiz the first time, I sat beside Alexander Usyk in, in MSG, watching the way in, mm. and he was saying, "That's I'm, I'm next, I'm next." But then Joshua lost, so I know how much he's won that fight, and I mm. even said to him, "Man, you beat him," <sighs> and he was the guy. Already knew this, I know this, so we sat and talked for a while, and I've always, I've always shared it from the rooftops how much I, I, I'm a fan of him, and I'm, I always said that I thought he would beat Joshua, and he did. Do mm. I think he wins the rematch? I do, but. Anything can happen in heavyweight boxing. Spot on. As always. Um, just before <laughs> I let you go, are the people of Belfast ready for this ring walk, mate, that you're going to be uh, dishing up on August the 6th? Always. <laughs> always. They're, all, they're, they're, they're prepared by now. You know, these, the, the ring walks are unbelievable. So uh, I'm looking forward to making that walk in. Even in Nottingham, it was unbelievable. Yeah. You know, ha having the fans against me and having my own mm -hmm. fans there too, it was a special feeling. I'm one that will live with me forever, no matter what. That's it. Make sure you've got a Gareth A. Davis waistcoat on, mate. All right, pal? <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Now, I know this podcast is feeling like some type of uh, end-of-year special, but the guest kept on coming on Saturday night, and one young hot prospect came to join us to talk about his tenure so far in the professional ranks. It was Adam Azim. Ready or not, here I go. You can't hide. Triple A, the assassin, Adam Azim. Fighting a guy from uh, Belgium. Uh, I think he had eight fights, seven wins, one loss. Definitely not on my level. And the referee immediately just waves this one over Darren Sargentson and the backflip and centering 
from Adam Azim. Obviously, I've got to stay focused, stay grounded. And when a lot of people do talk about me, I use that to drive more in my training sessions. Well, now, are they going to get a little bit more excited? Wow! If I keep knocking them out and showcasing my school, then obviously I think we'll move on to better, bigger things. I have really bad ADHD when I was young. I used that into boxing. Now I've got my aggression out. Nowhere my happy place is, is, which is the gym. So obviously I used that ADHD to conquer it in boxing. So that's why, you know, when I say ADHD people, they have something special in them because they can use anything, any special talent they have. They can use it in numerous sports, you know, like football, boxing, even, even outside some sports as well. Like yeah. you can use it to any individual uh, subject that you're good at. Because of the learning system we have at schools, then you get labelled as a bad child, don't you? Like, you know, like a problem child. You know, I think many people um, have that. So it's great yeah. to talk about that. So look, you're 5-0, four knockouts. Again, a vicious victory against Anthony Lafay. When are you expecting to be out again? Hopefully it should be September. I've got two more fights this year. Uh, Big fights, both of them, and uh, yeah, hopefully it'd be another, maybe another first round spectacular knockout like uh, that everyone expects me to do. You know, some people want me to go rounds, but the fact is that if you get your opponent that quicker, you know, you'd have to do more effort. You. <laughs> no, exactly, that's true. You're not paid for overtime in the yeah, sport. Yeah, that's it. Not paid for overtime. When you have come into the sport, there's a lot of eyeballs on you. There's a lot of um, people. Um, saying this is the next star, you know, does that create a lot of pressure for you or is that something that you can live with? Is it, you know, or are you at the stage where at the moment, you know, you're not being given that British champion or, um, you know, a, a, a former world title holder? Um, is that going to come and are you just enjoying this stage at the moment or is there any pressure on you? Do you know what a lot of people say? Uh, they think I'll get a lot of pressure. Um, I use that to you know drive drive more. Like you know, every day I'll, I'll kill I'll kill myself in training just to get to the top. Like I'm more, I want to work hard every single day. I want to put in the hours, you know, the hard work, the training, and hopefully keep getting better. And the, the fact is, it's just like I use that as a motivation. Like I use what anyone talks about me. I just say that it means a lot, but I'm not there yet. You know what I mean? But do you, do you? feel that you know you could have gone to the olympics but you turned pro early you're still only 20 you know the likes of ricky hatton joe calzaghi nasim hamid trying to uh, uh carl frotch didn't go to the olympics these guys didn't amir did anthony joshua did joe joyce did fraser clark there's a lot of people with their own style that didn't go to the olympics i never really had the eye on the olympics i always wanted to become really a young world champion like you know yeah. Look at Deborah Haney, Tiafima, like, Ryan Garcia, Javante, yeah. they all never went to Olympics. Actually, Tiafima did, but he lost in the first first rounds in the Olympics. But the other rest of the boxers, they come, they're like in the world level now. Mm. And for me, like I know for a fact, you know, my amateur pedigree I had from a schoolboy to the youth. And I know I've I've had I've been in the youth, like international scene, I've been to European scenes. I, I know how to not adapt to any other fight I like, adapt to any fight I can forward, front foot, back to it. It's just like um, my IQ level for my for a 19-year-old is really you know, quite good. I want to look at the champions in your division. Josh Taylor, how do you rate him? 
yeah, he's an incredible fighter. He's very good. Um, but I know for a fact, you know, when you know when my time is right, when when later down my career, that would be a, a great fight to take. You know, obviously I'm still in the learning process. He's a good fighter, but I know for a fact, you know, down my career, we could cross off. So, in, in maybe two or three, two years time. Yeah, two three years time. You know, I mean, we could we could you know, cross cross uh, path one day. So. Regis Progre. Yeah, Regis Progre, uh, great fighter. Um, that's another fight you know, down the line in you know, two years' time. Hopefully, I'll probably take one of those fights. Like, I, 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 like, be nice, you know, even like down my career, I want to take like, you know, someone like, you know, George Gambosis or something like that, you know, like a name and develop into, you know, a better fighter. Jack Cattrall? Yeah, good fighter. I think he's fine at the rematch with Josh Taylor. That, you know, when the time's right, you know, all these fighters that you guys are mentioning, hopefully I'll go cross path with them one day. So. Teofimo Lopez? Yeah, definitely. Uh, everyone will probably want that fight. <laughs> How did you come to be in the gym with Shane? How did that come about? Um, so, you know, um, once, uh, one time I, I did like probably over 100 rounds with Luke Campbell for the Ryan Garcia fight. And then uh, he acknowledged me from there. Like he thought I was like really older, like he thought I was 21, 22, but then I was 18 that time, didn't have my professional debut. And then, yeah, we, we uh, when I looked around, that was my kind of environment I loved. Like, uh, I think obviously the best thing I having is the experienced coach who's been in the game for ages and he's made numerous world champions, like one of the best trainers in, in the country. So for me to just be in the stable as well, learning every single day and getting better, it just means a lot to me. Do you go in and do a bit of body sparring, sparring with the likes of Lawrence Sicoli and Daniel Dubois or not? <laughs> um, do you know what? I, it's funny enough, I, did, I do body sparring with Shane. Do you? <laughs> yeah, we do body sparring with each other, yeah. <laughs> you beat him up a little bit when you get that opportunity then. I tell you what, well, Shane, he hits really hard. Like, well, like he, He's definitely got the, you know, the Barry McGuigan uh, power in him. Yeah. Like, he definitely hits really hard. Well, it's good to know because I'll stay away because I think he's wanted to hit me before and I've made sure I stay far enough away from him that he can't hit me. Um, <laughs> um, I've written and said a lot about Amir Khan, how he changed things for British Muslims, about how people embraced that section of our society. Is that something yeah. that you feel strongly about, a generation on? I mean, that's 17 years ago when Amir was doing that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, that, that is what you just said there. I think that's very true. Because um, you know, you know, British Pakistanis and boxing, there's so much, loads of people. You know, I mean, they get better. There's a lot of names out there as well. In British Pakistani, Omar Khan was the only British Pakistani that was in his generation 17 yeah. years ago. He definitely yeah. was gone, and he was blowing out everyone in the sport. Like, and then he was a nation, like nationwide, big, massive name all around the world. So, obviously, like for him to open the doors for all of all the British Pakistanis. It just like brings up, gives us confidence. Like, yeah, we can do it. You know, we can make yeah. it. Like, like he did it. Well, there's definitely, you know, like you and Hamza Shiraz, for example, are being talked about an awful lot. Hamza is very kind of like popular and growing, and he's got his camp in America, and he's more prominent. Um, yeah. I, I think what you guys <laughs> can do, I hope, is make another big wave where it pushes into football then? My dad was actually a footballer when he was younger. So. Was he? Yeah, he played for uh, QPR Academy. So. Okay. 
tell me the route forward now then finally um are you going to be on the undercards of um one of the big women's fights no because it's all women's card would you like to have been on that card with savannah marshall and chris shields yeah it'd be nice but i think uh all the women's are going to be on it so i yeah. think i'll be on another card which is also a big fight coming up soon so so you think early september we'll see you next yeah, early September, then the next one will be August, and then we'll see if I've got another one at the end of the year, but I'm pretty sure I've got two more fights here. Uh, I get these two more knockouts. I want to get I want to get all my fights that I had this year, knockout streak, so that's my plan. What do you think about Burr Knuckle fighting? I've got to be honest with you, I'm not sold on it yet, but I'm willing to listen, watch, and learn. David Fellman is the man behind BKFC. It is coming to UK soil on August the 20th. Michael Venom Page from Bellator. Mike Perry, formerly of the UFC. They're going at it in the main event. Page Van Zant's on the card as well. So we thought we'd talk to the main man that created this concept uh, to get his take on the safety aspect and the optics that fans are questioning. I want to talk first and foremost, but, but listen, you've, you've got some stellar names involved in what we're going to be experiencing, obviously, here in the UK. But I want to maybe just take a little bit of a step back to 2018 when you managed to get this over the line in America. Because in the United States, uh, you were the first promotion to hold official state-sanctioned bare-knuckle boxing in the States since 1889. That's a long, long period of time. Talk to me about the red tape. Talk to me about the legalities. Talk to me about the conversations that you had in order to convince those state athletic commissions to sanction your promotion. Now, that was like a, a seven-year run. I started this uh, back in 2011. I did one on an Indian reservation at an Indian casino. Did really, really good. So then I went out and tried to get regulation from all the different states around the United States states and no one wanted to hear what I was saying. 28 different states I pitched uh, multiple times, a total of like 75 different pitches. And then finally, in uh, uh, late 2017, I met Brian Pedersen of the state of Wyoming in the United States and he gave me a chance. And then um, we did June 2nd, 2018. We became the first legally sanctioned and regulated bare knuckle fighting company ever in the history of the world, not just the United States, but anywhere in the world. It's never been legal yeah. or regulated for. So um, and then we just went off to the races and we did, a, a, you know, a, a subsequent uh, 26 events up to that point. And um, we're doing our 27th next uh, Saturday night in Tampa, Florida. And then our big event, August 20th at the Wembley Arena in London for BKFC London, our debut mm. in England. Well, on that, just on, on that, if I can just extend it, because uh, I, I know it sounds obvious, maybe the reservations that state athletic commissions had when you, when you were going through this protocol, and I'm sure a lot of that came down to safety measures. So just take, please, if you could explain to our audience, because I'm sure that there's a lot of boxing fans, a lot of MMA fans that maybe watch and just the eye test of BKFC and they look at it and go, Oof, that's a bit brutal. Talk to me about the safety measures that are in place for the athletes competing on BKFC. No, absolutely. We have the number one uh, ringside position. Dr. Don Muzi is the president of the Association of Ringside Positions. He's on our board as a consultant, so he's at each and every one of our events. He's compiling data at all of our events of all of our injuries. And um, to this point, we have less concussiveness, less, sub, less subconcussive damage, less facial fractures, even less handbrakes. The only thing that we really have more of is more lacerations. But we have a board-certified uh plastic surgeon on staff with us so at, at, at all of our events they uh, stitch up the fighters and you know they're on their way so 
you know, as far as uh, major uh, head trauma or any type of those major injuries, we just don't have that many of them in bare knuckle fighting. Actually, Dr. Don Muzi uh, let me know that he's getting another article published in, in the medical field that um, for facial injuries to show that we, uh, we definitely have more lacerations, uh, more cuts than any other uh, combat sport out there, but we have less facial fractures and less uh, significant damage to the face than any other combat sport out there. You know, boxing, mixed martial arts, kick, kickboxing, Muay Thai. Um, you know, we're, I'm not saying we're safe. Anytime that you stand in the center of that ring or cage and you're trying to take someone's head off, it's certainly not safe, but we're no more dangerous than boxing or mixed martial arts. It's funny, you know, about the optics, David. You know, Adam and I spent many years uh, covering mixed martial arts, and I go way back to when no one was interested in it here, certainly in the national newspaper uh, kind of field. And it was about optics then, about mm. people fighting each other on the ground, about, um, and, you know, certainly in, in mixed martial arts. And it's the same now with, with bare knuckle. The optics, like you say, of lacerations and more blood and the words gory coming up and... You know, it's one of the debates that I've got involved in, in, you know, where is its place? Obviously, it, it, it's massively popular and it's going to be popular. It harks back, certainly the London event harks back to the London prize fighting days of 1865. You met, Adam mentions 1889, or you do, in terms of America. 1867, the Marcus of Queensbury rules here. Does it have a place? Do you feel it will get onto TV? Or is it something that doesn't need to be linear? Does it stay as a digital area? I mean, are you looking at TV deals? Are there are there forces in the way because of the optics? Uh, we're already on TV in the United States. Right. We have a deal with, uh, regionally with NBC Sports. We mm. have a deal with Fox Deport Days. So Was it hard getting... to get that over the line, though, David? Oh, 100% it was. Yeah, it was definitely, yeah, but yeah. it was showing the, the study that we had. See, before, when we wanted to get this thing going, we had no data. We had no backup. So we're pitching, you know, commissions. We're pitching regulatory bodies, television stations on our opinion. Now we have the data to back it up, and the data states that we're no more dangerous than any of those other combat sports. It's very, very exciting, and it's what people want to see. So if they want to see it, it's exciting and it's no more dangerous. Why not give it to them? Absolutely. Well, it, it seems like that uh, quite a lot of elite athletes want to participate yeah. in it as well because we've obviously, I think it's well documented that Paige Van Zandt is involved. Uh, we have now got a situation where one of my favourite mixed martial artists in Michael Venom Page is participating uh, in uh, in a fight here in London against Mike Perry. Again, set to be an absolute cracker. How easy is it to negotiate things like that when, for example, Michael Venom Page is already contracted to Bellator? Is it easy to do a deal and, and cross-promote with people like Scott Coker in order to get his athletes over into your promotion? Yeah, I mean, look, we saw the win-win for everybody in that. You know, we get to get um, him, more bare-knuckle fans, to maybe go back over and watch MVP fight for Bellator, and we get to get all the MVP fans and the Bellator fans to come over and watch MVP fight in BKFC. So it was really a win-win for both organizations, I believe. It's, a, it's certainly a win for MVP. He's going to get paid very nicely for this event. And, it's, you know, it's an opportunity for him to step out of his box and try something new. And, um, you know, I think it's going to work out for everybody. How much uh, are you looking forward to bringing uh, the BKFC to London? Because I'm sure that you've seen the fans coming out for the boxing events, the fans coming out for the UFC events and the Bellator events. How much are you looking forward to those fans coming out and witnessing your product on British soil? Well, I mean, you got to think, look, we started this thing in, in a warehouse, right? In an underground warehouse. <laughs> doing, like doing Fight Club. Hunt. 
doing illegal unsanctioned fights to to our first our first regulated fight in an ice rink in in Wyoming, to now doing an event at the Wembley Arena in London, the famed Wembley Arena, where many many top fighters in the world have fought at this arena. It's it, you know it's a it's a unbelievable place to be able to host an event like this in in London. So for us to do that, I mean, it's unbelievable for me. Um, I'm I'm extremely happy by the reception that we got. Look, when we announced this thing, we got 3,800 people that signed up in day one for pre-sale tickets. Uh, the thing is selling very well. A lot of Great. people are excited. About it. Mm. And you know, it, I couldn't be any happier than to do an event like this at the Wembley Arena. And we expect to sell out crowds. So, you know, I think it's going to be a fantastic night for the sport of bare knuckle fighting and then especially for our organization, BKFC. There you have it. The jury's out. I'm sure that we will all be judges on August the 20th. Now, in the early hours of Sunday morning, Brian Garcia was back in the ring. Gareth caught up with him pre-fight to get his thoughts on his comeback. One, I got to work out on my calves. But two, I'm chasing him around the ring so much. But two, I really got to look at myself in a 12-round fight, and I got to break it down because I've never had a 12-round fight. So I learned to now what to specifically train for, you know, for myself. I, I never, you know, when, when you don't have that experience, you don't know what workouts to imply and what mm. rounds that you may feel more tired in. Like, for example, I didn't know, I can't, I'm not going to say it, but I didn't know I was going to feel tired in X and X round. So now I know when I get to that round, when I'm training to go a little harder, so that has no effect on me. So, you know, those little details matter. So I really broke it down after the fight, had an honest assessment on what I may or may not to need to work on. And then I applied it and now it's blossomed into something, you know, amazing. I really, I really broke it, broke it down. And, you know, I, I really needed that, what, what they would call it a tune up, you know, and now I feel in tune actually. Mm. Well, so on, on July the 16th against Javier Fortuna, you're in against an experienced vet. He's got power. He's a southpaw. Um, you're taller. Um, is, what does it do for you in terms of where you are at the moment? You're two with the WBC. I don't know if you, you are interested in the belts at the moment. Two with the WBC, yeah. six with the WBA, 10 with the IBF. God knows why you're 10 with the <laughs> IBF. But... but where, where does this take you? Is this a fight, again, which is just going to progress you towards those world titles, to the Haney fights, to the, the Tank Davis fights, maybe even a fight with Floyd Mayweather at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, crazy, dude. Uh, I'm a superstar. So this fight, all it does is continue my, uh, my, my superstardom. You know, to me... I'm going to get a chance at the bouts regardless, whatever IBF or whatever they have me ranked. I don't even think about that. All I think about is these guys want to make money and I am a key element to them making a big pay-per-view. So my main objective is go beat Tank Davis after this. I, that, that's it. That's really? all I'm, yeah, that, that's where this leads to. But of course, right now I'm focused on for tune in. I'm, that's um, my whole mindset is to know how to piece him apart and destroy him. You know, I, I do, I do want to destroy him. So that's what I'm thinking about. But th you ask me, where does this lead? That's it. That's all it leads to. It's, it's, so 
it's always going to be Tank Davis before Devin Haney because of the contractual issues? No, I think it's just for me, that's what I want to do. And nobody's going to be able to convince me otherwise because, you know, Tank Davis for me is whoever wins that fight is the face of boxing. And do I want that more than the bouts? Yes, because you don't take those. You can't spend those bouts. <laughs> you can spend a big check, you know, being a, a the face of boxing. And I'm not saying money's everything. But in this sport, the bouts have been drowned out so much for me, at least, that it's like, man, what would you rather be, you know, selling the most pay-per-views you could sell and setting up your family for life or having some bouts you have to pay for anyway? You know, to me, which means more is, you know, one, place myself as the face of boxing. You know, whoever wins that fight, to me, is a new face of boxing. Then, then I go take on Lomachenko. Then I go take on Devin Haney. That's fine. Don't worry. I, I just want to position myself as the new face of boxing. And when I beat Javante Davis, I will accomplish that. And then I'll feel great within myself. And we're already working on that. So we both want that. Javante himself wants it. So that's what this is leading up to. And then I go take on, you know, Lomachenko and Devin Haney. Yeah, I'm glad you're saying that because very often we get better fights when it's about the people who are fighting, the, 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 the champion, the, the boxers make the belts, don't they? Yep. And I think, yep. um, it's interesting you're saying that because like you say, it is a more exciting proposition, you and Tank. Mm -hmm. It is a phenomenal technical fight that you've got to pick or you've got to chase Lomachenko down and, 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 and want to beat him up. Like mm -hmm. you say, so you have that order in your mind and that's the way you're going to go. Yeah, I'm always thinking ahead of the game. Like, to me, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's one of those analogies that's often used. Maybe I could come up with something better, but chess, you know, not checkers, you know? you got to think what's your best play. And to me, uh, my best play is fighting Javante, then going after Loma, and then, then we'll see Devin. You know what I mean? Or, or maybe, or maybe things change. You know, you just don't know how things move, and then maybe I face, you know, Devin after Javante. We, I just don't know. You know, but I know that Javante is the next move possible for me, and I, 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 I really would enjoy that fight. You know, it's a dangerous chess match. You got a guy that can knock you out. With one punch I would I want to face that actually I enjoy that you know in the amateurs I always fought people better that hit hard so to me that's my that's my fight that I would want but of course we gotta see I gotta I gotta beat up Fortuna first which you know I will but that's what I have to be focused on do, do you want obviously um, like I say, you've got to go through Fortuna, but I'm jumping ahead here to Javon. Do you want that to be in yeah. Vegas or Madison Square Garden? Do you want that to be an, at an iconic venue? Oh, yeah. It, it definitely has to be an iconic venue. Uh, or maybe I bring it to SoFi Stadium and we fill that out, you know, in yeah. L.A. But it's either, it has to either be in a huge stadium or has to be in Vegas, that's really the only two options, I would say. It needs to be iconic. You know, that's what it is. It's an iconic fight. That's the only fight the, the people really are telling me they want. So in my heart, I want to give the people what they want.
And because, because they, they make this life possible for me. You know what I mean? They, you know, whether they're fans that are against me or fans that are with me, they make my life possible. And something that, you know, I've always loved to do as a kid, who's the best guy? Let me go fight. Him. You know what I mean? Or, or, you know, who's, who are you saying that I can't beat? I've always been that kid and watch me go do it. So that nothing's changed in my heart in that way. And these people are saying that this guy could get me. Let's go. Let's do it. See if he can. Final one, Ryan. Um, you talk about iconic, and I mentioned it earlier in the interview. Uh, Floyd Mayweather having a pop at you over yeah. what he's calling your hate for Canelo and Reynoso's after being with them. People talk on social media, all those kind of things. But quite nice to be talked about by Floyd Mayweather. And did you admire <laughs> him as a boxer? I'll first say that he is a great fighter. Um, and I always watch his fights. I'm not even lying. Um, I do all the time. But uh, I'm not going to have a comment on what he said yet. But after my fight, I will. You'll be hearing a lot from me. And I'll personally call you Gary. Do you know something? I'm going to uh, agree with you and him on what he was just saying there about the superstar status. Because we've had a few fights that have been made recently that have kind of gone under the radar. And I'm judging this off social media. I follow all the accounts in fight sports on social media and they don't really give it enough clobber. Mm. This week, every single time I've, I've gone to my Twitter or I've gone to my Instagram, this fella's face is all over it. And that kind of just expresses the fact that the algorithm on those social media websites is pushing all the traffic that is coming from those sites towards me because obviously they know that I'm a boxing fan. And that backs up this guy's superstar status. He might not necessarily be the most talented at 135, but I'll tell you something, he's right in what he says. He could be the money. Look, Ed, he's got 9 million Instagram followers. Madness. Yeah, 9 million Instagram followers. And, you know, you, you look at his Twitter account, he's at uh, only 100,000 followers, but he doesn't worry about, worry about Twitter. He's an Instagram king. Mm. Um... Uh, he's only 24 in, in August, remember. Um, he's There's something star-like about him. He's got the X factor. We always talk about that in boxing, how um, it's not necessarily the belts you hold uh, or who, you, who you've beaten. It's where you're at. And the people decide the champions very often. The people de decide the stars in the sport. Mm. And he's clearly a star. And I was really glad when he came out in that interview and said, listen, I'm the superstar. Um, and I'm really glad that he's saying, look, I'm defining my own course here. I want this fight with Tank Davis. Obviously, he's not overlooking uh, Javier um, Fortuna. Fortuna tonight, later tonight, in the uh, the weirdly... it's What's it now called, the Staples Centre? It's weirdly called... It's got a new sponsor, hasn't it's it? It's called yeah. the Ice Cream Cone something or other, isn't it? I, <laughs> I don't want to get sued for that, but it's... No, it's the Crypto.com Arena. Sorry. Aye. Sorry, all you currency fad people out there. But, um, look, he's he's an amazing character, um, he's he's saying I'm going to go for Tank Davis, then Vasyl Lomachenko, then Devin Haney. I don't care about the undisputed titles; they will come. I'm glad he's come back from this period of mental health. I think he's had problems in his personal life mm. or, or, or emotional stuff to deal with. Dealing with fame, nine million uh, followers and, is going to hurt you. You know what I mean? And I keep hearing, and I say he's 23, coming up 24 for a reason. The 18 to 24, the Generation Z, mm. yeah, 18 to 24s right now. Our producer Ryan knows all about this. He's nodding. They have to deal with issues. That, that they've been told to deal with their mental health issues and be public about them. And, and, and he's that generation. 
And so we expect that from him. That's why he had that long break. I think he'll have a good night. He had a 12-round kind of workout against Emmanuel Targo. Um, and I think Fortuna's obviously very experienced. I think he's southpaw, isn't he? And he's, he's, he can be awkward. Um, he's not a big power puncher. Garcia will look good tonight, in my view. He's a perfect foil for him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I also like the chat of trying to make the tank fight. Uh, and all the noises from all the people that would come and try and make that fight are quite positive it seems that uh, obviously Ryan is uh, connected to Dazon we know that Tank's obviously uh, well he says he's a free agent but we know that he works with the Showtime boys at Stephen Espinosa and the Mayweathers yeah, and all those types exactly. of guys They're, but it's he is a free fight. agent though but he is a free agent and and and, and he is a guy that w- will it's a fight that suits him in many ways because Ryan's quite um, vulnerable in some ways in the way he fights. Yeah. And Tank is probably, even though Devin Haney's performance against George Cambosos, we were both kind of, you know, we were kind of preaching purple love hearts, weren't we? Mm. It, he's still probably the most complete fighter in the right size, excluding uh, Vasyl Lomachenko in terms of technique. He's probably the most explosive and most dangerous fighter in the whole of the division. So he's picking the top guy, in my view. I still think Dev- I still think um, Tank Davis is the number one. I don't know if you think he is. Yeah, he's. I, I personally don't think he's a lightweight, but he's he's, an, he's handling lightweights, and that's the biggest compliment I could probably pay him. He's a super feather for me, but he's sensational. But he finds he, he he's got that ability to to, to oh, find accurate. the special yeah. moments yeah, to 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 find he's he's got the. I don't like using the word killer, but he's got those killer moves. Yeah, he does. You know? There's yeah. no doubt about that. And you're right in what you're saying. Tank versus Ryan Garcia is the biggest fight in this division when it comes to eyeballs, when it comes to money. There's no belt, legit belt on the line anyway. But without any shadow of a doubt, I think I think a fight like that regenerates interest in boxing in America in particular. As, well, as I was saying with Ryan, you know, the, he's up against this guy with Baltimore in his blood, you know, and he, and let's build it. And he was saying, it's got to be a big venue. It's got to be hyped. It's got to be Madison Square Garden mm. or the MGM uh, or the T-Mobile Arena. This needs to be a big fight, and we all need to be there. We need to be there, you and I. It's a fight that deserves a lot of attention. I agree. Completely agree. And it's a fight that's going down in the early hours of the morning. The Zone is going to be a channel for this. So if you've got a subscription there, you'll be able to tune in uh, and check out Ryan Garcia taking on Javier Fortuna. And I've no doubt, if he comes through that good, he'll be uh, quite decent on the microphone as well, calling out Tank Davis. So expect that as well. If you haven't watched Ryan Garcia's fight with uh, Javier Fortuna, don't worry. I won't give it away for you. I don't want to do any spoiling or anything like that. Um, we will finish with the Gypsy King himself. That's right. Gareth A. Davis has been on tour with Tyson Fury this week. They were in Bristol together. And in the green room, Gareth got his microphone out and stuck it in Tyson's face. This is what he had to say. I thought Derek did absolutely fantastic. But, however... Me and Derek Chisora used to be chum buddies, okay? I went to Monaco to support him. I went to Hamburg to support him. And then, as soon as I have a fight, he goes, I'll pick the other guy. So Derek Chisora can kiss my ass. And if I see him, I'm going to punch him in the face. Could you see him in a ring, Thinking maybe? about it, you know. I, after the fight, he came to the after party and he said, oh, this, that, and the other, made a million excuses. But at the end of the day, you don't do that to your friends. If you're friends with somebody, you back up. You don't go with the other guy who you don't like anyway. You go with your friend. So, after what he did, backing Dylan White to knock me out, have his house on it, and all that, how confident it was. No, we ain't friends anymore. And when I see you, Derek, you got me to fight. Pow! Is a trilogy with him even possible, Derek? Well, who knows? Listen, 
Derek Chisora, if you're out there and you want to fight, come and see me. I've busted you two times before already, and I'll do it again, you little sucker. Ah! You famously said recently that you could train Anthony Joshua to beat um, Anthony Joshua is a house. But if and you... I'll knock him out too. And if he beats Usyk, he's going to fight me for free in England for the fans. Not for hundreds of millions abroad in a foreign country. Here in the UK. Free to air television. Free tickets. Sell out Wembley. It'll be watched by 30 million people for free on free to air television. No pay per view. No money earned. We do this one for the fans of the United Kingdom. Let's see who's the real man of the people. I know I am. That's why I'm willing to do it for free here in the United Kingdom. But he will not want to do that. He'll want to travel abroad because he's a businessman. And I don't give a f about business. If you were um, training him, you could train him to beat Usyk. Easy, what would you train easy, him to do? Very easy. Yeah. I'd train him to beat Usyk, not a problem. But he doesn't want my help because I would definitely train him to win. And he doesn't obviously don't want to win. What would you get him to do? I, I, won't, I won't tell you because that's giving the secrets away. Um, you know, it's, it's quite private information what I do. But probably you'll see what I'll do because when this little middleweight batters the bodybuilder again, who's going to lose again, yeah. then they're going to call for Achilles to come out. They will cry and groan for Achilles to come back. And I'm going to say, get I'm retired. I don't want to fight. And then when they beg him to come out of retirement, I will return, but it's going to be very costly, like I said. And I'll show you how to deal with the middleweight. What do you think that people are now comparing you? The best you? to ever do it. Yeah. The best to ever do it. People are comparing you to, that, that you are the biggest heavyweight figure since of Muhammad Ali. Of course I am. I sold out 94,000 on my own, in an hour, mm. without even an opponent. Mm. Dylan White didn't even come to the press conference, nothing. I'm the man. I've told them Klitschko, I said, you fought all them people before. You fought the Mexicans, you fought the Americans, you fought the Africans. But you ain't never fought a Gypsy King before. And you're fighting one now, pal. I said, forget about the Chisoras, the Joshuas, the David Hayes. There's only Tyson Fury on these shores. I'm the dormant in these waters. Me. Top form, as always. That man is not retired, as I tell you every single week, but you already knew that. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I told you it was action-packed. If you never want to miss out on any of this stuff, make sure you subscribe to us. iTunes is the destination or the TalkSport website for an Android feed. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's a specific TalkSport boxing one where you get to actually see quite a lot of this stuff that you just heard in vision. So if you like looking at people whilst talking, it's all there for you. Go and have a little bit of a nosy. We'll catch you next time. 
Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. 